0: Put it there, boy, we'll show these fascists what a couple of hillbillies can do. Well, I'm going to tell you fascists, you may be surprised. People in this world are getting organized. You're bound to lose. You fascists, bound to lose.
1: you're listening to ink studs on citr 101.9 fm my guest this week is nina Bunjevac. uh her book is heartless from the fine canadian publisher conundrum books um as well her work has been in mineshaft and i'm thinking something else but it's at the tip of my tongue and i can't quite remember what else your work's been in any other anthologies nina
2: Oh, I'm on. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, anthologies. Well, mostly uh, uh, in Europe, uh, in um, Italian and Croatian and Serbian anthologies. Uh, a bunch of magazine literary and uh, comics magazines in, uh, in Canada. I was in uh, Broken Pencil, actually. Broken Pencil was one of the first magazines to publish my work back in 2004, and... Um, I was in exile, literally quarterly last year, and uh, Tattle Creek this past issue.
0: Okay.
2: Uh, and that's about it from the, uh, I guess the magazines the audience would know.
1: Now you are you grew up in Toronto, is it or?
2: No, I was born in Welland, Ontario. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, when I was a toddler, my family moved back to uh, Yugoslavia. Uh, I moved back to Toronto at the age of 16, so oh, okay. I grew up in uh, in Serbia, I guess now, former Yugoslavia.
1: Um, what year was it when you your family had moved back?
2: Um, we moved in 1975, and uh, I moved back to the age of 16, so. That would be 1990. I know I'm giving away my age. And <laughs> I don't really care. Um, uh, so yeah, like so, I've been back for about 22 years now. No, 23 in July.
1: Wow. Well, welcome back.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um.
1: Now, growing up in uh, Yugoslavia, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say that because I mean that's it's. That's the, ol- that's
2: the only term I accept, actually. I'm still finding it difficult to say Serbia, really.
1: Well, at that point, it wasn't Serbia, so it, it's not accurate, I exactly, guess, to say that, exactly. because that's a different reality, yeah, almost. Yeah,
2: especially that the country I left was called Yugoslavia, so you're right. Technically, I'm a Yugoslavian. Canadian Yugoslavian, I guess, <laughs> yeah. I'm a Yugoslavian-Canadian.
1: Let's go yeah, with go that. Go ahead.
2: You were going to ask me. <laughs> well,
1: I'm wondering um, about like what you were kind of artistically into um, during that time uh, growing up.
2: Oh, um. Okay. Mm, well, it was a really, really rich tradition in comics in uh, former Yugoslavia dating back to 1930s. Um, even as early as, like, 1936, there was um, a magazine publishing... Comics exclusively, and uh, in Belgrade and in Zagreb, and with uh, like a brief stop during the World War II. Um, uh, in 1960s, uh, the comics reemerged again, and I guess uh, by the time I was growing up, they were publishing all sorts of stuff, Franco Belgian comics and. Italian, American. Um, I grew up reading Disney comics. Believe it or not, uh, we had uh, superheroes. We had Spider-Man. I was a big Spider-Man fan as a kid. Um, so there was but a. Yeah, lo- I was reading. Yeah, I was reading a lot of comics for sure. Yeah.
1: And there was a lot of cultural exchange. Like it wasn't.
2: There was a lot. Now, like a lot of people, you know, when, when they refer to Yugoslavia as uh, behind the Iron Curtain, I get really missed, because um, it was not like a strict communist country, especially when I was growing up, uh, because it, it was it, it belonged to uh, uh, non-aligned uh, aligned nations.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Actually, Tito was one of the founders of the uh, non-aligned movement, so uh... we had a lot of western influences we had western music and um, so really you know we did get probably the best of the best because there was a tendency to go for like really high quality stuff too
1: so you were were you drawing at this point
2: oh my god i've been drawing since i could remember myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um, i don't know i guess uh you know, like uh, I didn't have many toys growing up and uh, it came from, uh, you know, wanting to create things that I couldn't afford. So it started with, you know, illustrating my own books and making my own little books and then, you know, making dolls and dresses for dolls and stuff like that. So really creativity has always been a part of my life and and I was really lucky because um, there were some Uh, readily available enrichment programs in the old country, free of charge. So, you know, if you wanted to play music, you could go to music school for free if you wanted to take drawing classes and everything. So it was a, you know, it was a pretty fertile environment for me, I have to say.
1: I feel like looking at your work... um especially considering that the poll quotes you get from jay lynch and kim Dykes, that Mm -hmm. underground comics especially there's kind of a profound influence
2: oh big time yeah oh yeah yeah big time um when i moved back to canada i I wasn't really introduced to uh, underground comics until um i moved back to canada and i remember um um, seeing a copy of Raw for the first time in my life and just going, oh my God, <laughs> this is just amazing. And um, uh, Charles Burns, for example, like I just remember having a total epiphany when I saw his work for the first time. That and, just um, dense yeah, black and you can Friedman.
1: fall
2: into. Yeah. yeah, Drew Friedman especially. I remember one comic in particular, I think it was called He Had a Funny Face and uh, with the guy's head rolling down into the <laughs> ditch, and that was the first time you see his face, and it's just like I remember going, oh, my God, you know, this is just amazing. But at this point, I um, I had uh, gone back to art school and I um, was thinking about pursuing graphic design, and then I got into uh, fine arts painting and got sidetracked, so... I didn't really pursue comics until, like, 2004 or something like that.
1: Now, the work, I'm curious about your fine art work, because um, I feel you still carry through some of it to today, don't you? Still do um, a bit, no?
2: Well, I have to be honest with you. I, I kind of hit the brick wall back in 2000, Um I was um originally like a painter. I graduated from ocad and I did painting for um a number of years and um especially portraiture and then I just couldn't paint any longer because I just found the the um the medium the t- too static and I just couldn't do enough and um I then got into sculpture installation, and um, it was actually through the sculpture installation that I uh, rediscovered the, uh, the potential for narrative mm-hmm. and, uh, and sequential art, so really, there's no turning back. I may <laughs> do a painting here and there, you know, for a cover or something like that, but, like, it's highly unlikely that I'll go to an art supply store and get, like, a canvas and you know, oil paint and brushes, it's just, like, I think those days are pretty much over for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like, fine art, I mean, definitely do not mean that's limited to painting, like. I definitely just, I, I, I just want to clarify, like, when I say fine art, I don't mean specifically limited to painting, like. It's yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like I'll still you know you know do an occasional embroidery, but you know like I like it as a medium I knife you know that alexander's Zograf's wife does embroidery based on his drawings, and they're just amazing and um I did a little installation for nuit Blanche in uh cabbage town in two thousand and eight, and uh I embroidered uh, a bunch of bed linens oh okay, and um. But you know, like when i when I stood back and looked at it, like there was a comic strip, you know what <laughs> I mean, like <laughs> like, as I said, there's no turning back, you yeah. know, and plus, like you know the the kind of drawing that I do is like so time consuming and everything, and it's just as satisfying as you know any medium I've tried before, painting or sculpting or anything like that. And you can take it anywhere, and it's not a bourgeois medium, and it's easier for people to understand and relate to. And and you can take it around, and you can mass-produce it. and For 20 bucks, people can have, like, the whole book of my work, as opposed to, you know, spending a couple of thousand dollars on a painting. And it takes probably just as long to produce a body of art for an exhibit at the gallery as it would to, you know produce
1: it for a book mm-hmm. I'm I, I'm, curi- I'm really curious about the embroidery work um, mm-hmm. that you mentioned there because uh, like one of the things that I find in your work I mean it's specific um, there's a specific gender identity going mm-hmm. into like the topics and embroidery within itself there's kind of a gender identity within yeah. an art form and I and I'm just I'm curious about that as an artist like choosing to do that embroidery mm-hmm.
2: well i'll be honest with you i i um i i think we're kind of moving away from that uh, you know medium being a scientist specific uh gender stuff like that but yeah of course i mean uh embroidery's been you know traditionally women's woman's work and um and that was probably why I was interested in it, pursuing it for the longest time because, you know, for centuries, women, you know, were limited to to only a few forms of visual expression and, and that was all through the crafts,
1: through mm-hmm. the arts
2: of crafts, right? And, um, yeah, I think I, I do explore the, you know, gender in my work because, you know, um, I'm a woman and because... Uh, it, it, it's very really strange, I don't know um, Like I still get Occasional remarks from people Oh, you draw like a man <laughs> You know, which they just go Hmm, okay And, and, and I used to I, I, Is you it know, my it big forearms? <laughs> I don't know It's like um, You know, like I, I used to like Find it puzzling And oh, I know that a lot of women Get angry about that, but you know, I just kind of shake it off and go, hm, like I can't believe it's like, uh, you know, I still this day day, day and age. It was funny because um, a couple of years ago, I was at this uh, um, comics festival in Rome, and these two troublemakers from the Dernier Cree Collective come up to me and they go, hey, uh, Paquito Bolino, he say, uh, you draw very good for a woman <laughs> 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 Of course they were like you know Like trying to you know sass you. Make me angry You know and stuff like that Because they're little rascals You know just like uh, Telling him he's very funny for an old man You know Yeah. So anyway <laughs> Well isn't
1: yeah. uh, La creates Cree It's uh, Petito and um, Valerie Suri isn't it They're the Pardon me? Isn't it a partnership between him and Valerie Suri?
2: I don't know. Uh, the only people that I've met through that like, um, were Paquito Bolino and uh, the Godin brothers. Oh, okay. Not and um, Dove and Krauman, who's just amazing. Have you seen any of Krauman's work?
1: I don't know. I've got some some Denier Cree books, but like I don't know who did them. I just look at them oh. and just, like, my mind gets blown.
2: Yeah, well, um, uh, yeah, I haven't seen his uh, commons work published anywhere in North America, but like, oh my God, if I were a publisher, I would be all over that guy for sure. He's definitely one of the most talented of the bunch. I got
0: a lot of
1: travel a lot to Europe for different kind of festivals and comic stuff? Or? Um,
2: I try to. I travel every time somebody pays for my ticket, to be <laughs> honest with you. Like, you know, uh, I mean, I may not be making, uh, you know, millions and all the cartooning money isn't rolling in, you know. But um, occasionally, you know, I'll get an invitation and they will say, you know, we'll pay for your ticket and I'll go, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, I've been to Rome for about, um, I participated in four uh, different uh, um, editions of the Crack Festival, but I uh, attended only three. I've uh, been to Serbia for the Novadoba Festival, which is just amazing. And um, I also go to uh, events that are not comic-specific. Um, this um, um September I went to Croatia for um an event organized by the Center for Peace Studies and um, Center for Cultural uh, decontamination from serbia so it was it was like a peace uh, building workshop as well um, yeah so you
1: you were mentioning in an email that that i think it's that experience you said it was really kind of you really got a lot out of it
2: uh this uh this last trip yeah. Oh, it was amazing. Um, well, I was invited to uh, present my uh, the last comic from Heartless, uh, August 1977, and uh, do uh, a talk about it because the theme of the workshop was Artists in Exile. And um, it was just incredible um, meeting a bunch of other artists and writers and actors who... Um, For one reason or another, had to flee Yugoslavia in the early '90s, and um, because you know, uh, it's a it's an incredibly it's it's a different uh, experience leaving a place Mm -hmm. and moving somewhere to you know work for a couple of decades, and then you go back and you build a house, and you know you go back to normal, but when you actually leave without an intention to go back and uh because that's technically what exile is, you know. You
1: don't expect to go back.
2: You don't expect to go back. It's a completely different experience and there's a lot of denial and usually denial that goes on for a very long time. Uh the denial of nostalgia and homesickness and everything like that. So meeting all these other people who um had arrived from the States, and Norway, and Germany, and Austria, and there were all different nationalities. There were Serbs, and Croats, and Muslims. It was just incredible, and um, it was like finding home at last, uh, and uh, and that's really what I got out of it. Uh, it was like a sense of closure, because, um, you know, I did miss Yugoslavia for the longest time, but you can't really miss something that doesn't exist, and then you realize they're just missing, like, a, a you know, a, a specific period in time.
1: Had you been back um, since 1990, and this was a particular um, experience, or was this the first I, time back? I went in
2: 1997 for a two-week visit. Now, this was during Milosevic's uh, reign of power and, and Serbia was very gray and depressing and that was a year before the NATO bombing so you could feel that something was going on in the air and people were very unhappy and what I remember were basically rows of kiosks down the street that would sell cigarettes, chocolates and magazines that border on porn and it was basically just a, you know, kiosks Kiosks of opiates, and I was really disappointed. And I said, you know what? I'm not going back. This is really not a place that um, um, that I remember that I left. But then in 2007, I uh, reconnected with the uh, with the underground comic scene I, um, through meeting um, Alexander Zelgraf, and uh, he invited me to. Um, um, to give a presentation and show my work at uh, in his hometown of Pančevo, and uh, ever since then, like I've been trying to go every summer and meet these people and draw with them. And yeah, it's just an incredible bunch of people. And and there's a lot of people who are you know northern Serbia who live there. Um, there's quite a few Americans and. French people living there. Uh, The organizer of the Novadoba festival, uh, Joanna, is actually from France, and uh, she had moved to Serbia permanently because of the comic scene. So, Mm -hmm. seriously, it's amazing. (laughs)
1: uh, (laughs) It it really
2: is. Hey, Pat Moriarty went to Serbia last summer. Oh, nice. And he feels like a changed man, okay? (laughs) (laughs) He loved it so much. He went for a month.
1: Wow, it's it's yeah. you've really clued into like that this uh, great scene there and also a great scene here. I mean Pat, with Mindshaft, in oh, that group.
2: I've been so lucky with Shaft, <laughs> I'm telling you, just getting in touch with those people they're they're really amazing, and I have Kim Deitch to thank for that, because he was the one who um, actually alerted uh, Everett of my work and. Um, Kim's been like really, really supportive of my work, and I'm I'm eternally grateful for that. And as was Jay Lynch, and yeah, and through Shaft I uh, met Jay Lynch and Bruce Simon and um, a bunch of other people, and we're on Facebook now, and <laughs> you know, yeah, stuff we're like Facebook
1: that. buds. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, but no, seriously, I really like the quality of Mindshaft, and I really like the work that they publish. I mm-hmm. um, you know the new uh, new issues coming out in about a week, and I'll oh, printers. Nice. Oh, nice! yeah, yeah.
1: Perfect timing.
2: Oh, it's <laughs> awesome! Yeah, Are you,
1: will you have Get a new s-
2: Mindshaft?
1: <laughs> <laughs> will you have a story in this one?
2: Uh no, no, not in this one. Um, I know they will have a few more um, uh, comics by Zograf and um, they will have some photo spreads by um, um, an Italian photographer, Luca Donini, and uh, from the people that I know, and um, a bunch of other. Christopher Mueller did a very nice cover, so it's quite detailed. I think you'll like it.
1: Nice. Um you mentioned uh your the most recent trip there you're presenting on the 1977 comic mm-hmm. um which uh very personal comic it it i'm really curious about kind of the work that went into it and if you can tell folks what the comic is about oh,
2: okay okay um um well the comic is is uh um it's a uh, metaphorical look of um, the last three hours of uh, my father's life and um, it was um, um, a symbolic rejection of his um, beliefs and his ideology. Um, he, was, um, um, he was living in Canada, my father was living in Canada in political exile. Uh, he used to be a Yugoslavian army officer. Um, and, um, when he moved to Canada, he, uh, became affiliated with this, um, anti-communist group called, uh, Freedom for Serbian Fatherland, and, um, his actions and the actions of the group eventually escalated to terrorism, and, uh, he was involved in the building of bombs that were to be planted, um. Uh, different uh, Yugoslavian embassies uh, throughout North America, like New York and um, Ottawa, and the consulate in Toronto. Um, their initial aim was to over, uh, to overthrow the uh, the Yugoslavian government. So, um, my mother already left with us, uh, my sister and I, uh, two years before he got killed, and he died in. Uh, in an explosion caused by the bomb that he was building uh, while attempting to um, organize an attack on the Yugoslavian consulate in uh, Spadina village in Toronto. Um, didn't, I didn't really know much about him mm-hmm. uh, until I moved to Canada in 1990 and I uh, started meeting his uh, associates. Um, and uh, at one point, I remember realizing that this ideology was directly connected to what was going on in Yugoslavia. Yeah. And um,
1: it's a lot of hate. It it's
2: like. a lot of hate. And when you see how it can explode, and uh, I think the hardest thing was, you know, people coming up to me and saying, you know, your father was a hero, he was a great man. And. And and me being completely confused. So I didn't really, like after my trip to uh, Yugoslavia in 1997, um, as I said, until 2007, I didn't want to have anything to do with the old country or the politics or anything like that. But it somehow found me, and when I connected with, with the underground scene in, uh, in Serbia, and, and in Croatia, and Slovenia, I began learning more about what's been going on, and um, life in the 90s, especially in Serbia, I hadn't realized how difficult it was for um, liberal-minded people, for mm-hmm. peace lovers, for reasonable people. and. Um, really, I created that story for my friends, and, because I realized that after, like, numerous attempts by the LGBT community to organize a uh, Pride Parade, something that we takes for granted in North America, right? Yeah. It's like we have city mayors on floats, half naked, you know, it's, <laughs> it's amazing but over there like they get open threats by militant ultranationalists and they have to the authorities have to ban these parades due to security threats so you know thinking about like my artist friends and and the art show that were interrupted by these groups as well right if um there were film screenings, for example, there was a Croatian filmmaker who um who specializes in b movies with um you know explicit adult content or whatever and uh th- there was a group of uh, ultra nationalists who broke in in the middle of the projection and started shouting, "You know you're poisoning young Serbian minds, you know, get out of Serbia and like all that stuff so like to me like after living in Canada for all these years that's unfathomable like how can that happen and it's easy for me to talk living in Toronto and you know living in this bubble of mine and um people over there are afraid to speak out because you know uh they could be openly attacked by media they could be you know jumped in the middle of the night yeah so that's where 1977 came from. Now, mind you, the original uh, title of the story was 1976, but I got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I got the date wrong. Only one of the most important dates in the family history, and I get it wrong. Ah, yeah.
3: If you have a friend on whom you think you can rely you are a lucky man if you found the reason to live on and not to die you are a lucky man preachers and boys and scholars don't know it temples and statues and steeples won't show it if you've got the secret just try Change, you are a lucky man. Takers and fakers and talkers won't tell ya. Teachers and preachers will jump by and sell ya. When no one can tempt ya.
0: Lucky, a lucky man a lucky,
1: a lucky, a lucky man Did you find sharing this, um, other people had kind of similar experiences, not quite as extreme as yours, but like kind of this common struggle of kind of dealing with this kind of old world mentality? and kind of how to a mesh or kind of get rid of that.
2: Um, oh, there are so many artists who are going through the same thing. Um, it's funny. Uh, I had uh, the book uh, Heartless was actually first printed. It was translated into Serbian and printed in Serbia about six months before the uh, uh, the North American version came out. And it was really interesting reading the reviews over there and reading the reviews here and seeing people people's reactions. Um, one of the, uh, the 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 most interesting things was seeing how people over there see the existential component in my work, and people over here see the funny stuff. Do <laughs> you know I mean? It's incredible. Like you know, like you'll say like the blurb that Kim wrote about, you know, laughing out loud and, you know, um, I did intentionally put humor in it because I just found that, you know, if it's too dark, it would be, like, too much. But but over there, like, nobody even mentions humor in my work, which is really odd. Maybe it was, you know, translated badly. I don't know.
1: Maybe it should have been darker.
2: Yeah, <laughs> dark, exactly. <laughs> but, but speaking of, like... Um, um people having gone through similar experiences one of the reviews written in croatia came from um um a very good writer by the ma- by the name of milan kujergovic and um he wrote this review of my book that actually made me cry it was like somebody was just reading me and um And I actually contacted him to thank him, and he sent me a book of his, which is called The Father. And essentially, it's the same thing, but the other way around. His father's family was involved with the Ustasha movement during the World War II, which was the Nazi, the the fascist movement. Yeah, and this book that he wrote was his way of rejecting his father's family's ideology. So basically, when he read 1976 <laughs> 1977, like he was actually quite moved by it. And um, um, there's actually quite a few writers and uh, cartoonists all throughout former Yugoslavia who are now questioning the values of their parents and grandparents and um, and finding, I guess, their own way through it, right?
1: I was watching this um, documentary, I mean, it's kind of linked, kind of different, um, on children and grandchildren of uh, Nazi war criminals. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting seeing how um, the different ways folks would resolve where they've come from and kind of what that comes with um and just like the different ways and just even like how some folks one guy his whole family still doesn't see a problem with what happened and he had to disconnect with everyone yeah and it's funny it's just i don't know i don't know where i'm going with that but I mean,
2: no n- no i i totally agree it's like um a funny last night i was watching a documentary in auschwitz yeah like you know um I should watch some comedy, really. <laughs> um, oh, God. Anyway, uh, they were interviewing one of the old guards from Auschwitz and asking him questions like, well, what did you feel when you were shooting all these Jews in Ukraine? Right? Because they were actually, that was doing one of the, the biggest mass slaughters where um, several thousand people were killed in a single day. And he said, well, I, I felt nothing. And she's like, what were you thinking? And he's like, well, I was thinking I better aim right, you know. And, <laughs> and he was just saying it the way it is. And uh, he went back into saying how he hated Jews, because when he was a child growing up on the farm, How the Jewish owners were treating him like crap. And he just could not get out of it. I guess what happens is some people just don't get out of that pre adolescent frame of mind. Mm -hmm. And uh, it it shows like a a serious um, lack of emotional maturity in a way, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, you gotta, you know, I'm not the same person I was, you know, 22 years ago. And I'm definitely not the same person as 10 years ago, you know, if you don't keep evolving, like, you're just wasting space, right? And, yeah, and I guess the same goes with, you know, the children. And then on the other hand, you have the children of the Holocaust survivors, right? And you have the same thing. It's, like, goes from one generation to the next, and if you don't deal with it in my case you know oh my god let's let's talk about funny stuff (laughs) (laughs) okay everybody's going like okay stop press stop (laughs) anyway what i wanted to say okay one last depressing thing okay
1: and then you're going to watch a (laughs) (laughs) rom-com
2: and then i'm going to go back to the maury show (laughs) oh god i love the maury show (laughs) <laughs> um, where was I going with this um, Okay let's talk about funny stuff Well
1: uh, tell me about the Let's talk about the your One of your main protagonists The, the Catwoman um, Oh Zorka Zorka,
2: Zorka A Petruvich. wonderfully
1: Eastern oh, European yeah. name
2: Okay well What do you want to know about her <laughs> <laughs> Ask me I have no secrets I want to know.
1: I want to know about the world she's in, because it's. I mean, you've you've created this very specific place for her. Um, I mean, it's. I one of the things I really like about your work is it's not everything spelled out. I mean, it's just we're just kind of following what's going Mm -hmm. on, and it's uncomfortable. And are we going dark again? Um... (laughs) Oh, okay.
2: You want to know a little bit about her world? Okay. Well. Well, it also
1: feels like it's kind of a world that a lot of your comics take place in. Like they,
2: yeah, it's that... Oh, it's a location. But that, That's mostly the influence of, uh, you know, having watched way too much black and white television as a child. And I, I, to be honest with you, I'm more influenced by by, by films than comics in my work mm-hmm. or finance or anything like that. And I'm a big fan of the uh, the black wave of the Yugoslav cinema like Dushan Makaveyev and Zhivoyan Pavlovich who were just uh, amazing filmmakers and there was a lot of gritty reality mixed with dark humor and um, but you know underneath all of that was the bare truth you know um, what we're all about without masking ourselves and and Zorka um, is a Zorka, in a way, is every woman, every pathetic woman I've ever met, including myself. You know, there's definitely components of myself, of you know, a woman who wants to be rescued, who's waiting for you know a man to come along, and and if that is that guy isn't Mr. Right, the next one will do. You know, <laughs> and um, um, but she's also you know an immigrant. Because uh, even though I was born in Canada And uh, when I moved back in 1990 I still felt like an immigrant mm-hmm. you know, Because I didn't speak English And I found it very difficult to cope And when you don't speak the language You can't get the right jobs And you can't get good marks in school Because you can't do your homework the right way And and all of that And, um, you know, like and I've lived in places like Zorca, like the uh, the settlement city. It's, uh, you know, if you know Toronto, Toronto is full of places like this, like uh, St. Jamestown and uh, Flemingdon Park, uh, places uh, with high-rises where, um, you know, populated by immigrants and, um, you know, lonely old folk and stuff like that. And um, so, I guess, you know, I just wanted to create a blend between, you know, every woman and uh, a typical um, immigrant, and uh, Zorka just kind of came out of it, and now I use her to vent off and whatever I want to say, you know, I just say it through her, and I say, no, I didn't say that, Zorka said that, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, you, one of the things I was saying earlier about the gender stuff is like and, and you're kind of touching on this now is like the the Zorka work I mean it's very much from a point of view that I don't think a man can can get the, into that headspace mm-hmm. for the most part maybe there's a couple of cartoons but I mean you're it's very amazing um, at least I find it how you are really able to present This Catwoman, um, as as a really human, relatable character.
2: Oh,
1: and I think, and and maybe with that, it's like, how important is it for you to to kind of touch on this, like, humanism Mm to her? Because it's it's like, yeah, it's not fantastical,
2: Mm -hmm. if anything,
1: it's the opposite,
2: yeah. Well. I have to say that, again, that comes from, like, the school of uh, social realism, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, and um, plus, like, I'm really inspired by, by people around me and by people's stories, and uh, when I was growing up, um, um, I was surrounded by people who enjoyed storytelling, and, um, in the Balkans there's a very strong t- tradition of storytelling for centuries and centuries before, like either the Serbs or the Croats had their own alphabet. All these stories were passed on orally from one generation to the next. So it's a culture of people sitting around the fire or sitting around a dinner table and talking and... Um, Uh, you know like if you have nothing to talk about then you read something from a magazine you know you read a story and stuff and um it's also a culture of people constantly coming over for you know uh to share a cup of coffee and a story so i grew up with these amazing amazing stories around going around me and um and I guess every once in a while, one of these stories will surface up, and I'll become inspired, and I'll want to work it into one of my comics and stuff like that. and you know, but it's also trying to understand people and, and their actions. Um, it's a great excuse to develop a single statement into a whole story, you know, and then by the end of it, you go, "Aha, uh-huh, you know <laughs> that's a different angle, right?
1: What do you have coming out in the future? or What kind of work are you working on right now?
2: Okay. Well, um, I just did some um, uh, spot illustrations for the new uh, Tattle Creek, which is coming out in December, uh, the winter issue. And um, I did a two-pager, uh, which is the synopsis of my next book for art review for the comics uh, section, which is... Um, Edited by Paul Gravett. Oh, nice. Yeah, so uh, that that I'm really looking forward to that. So that should be avail- available available uh, around the 21st of October, and um, and I'm you know I'm, the grant season is upon us, so <laughs> you yep. know I'm I'm uh, trying to meet a deadline, um, but predominantly, I'm working on the next book, uh, which is uh, I can't really say the the title because one of these competitions is supposed to be anonymous, uh, but it is based on 19, August 1977, and um, it's basically a collection of short stories based on uh, my family, my father and my mother and my maternal grandparents, um, who I um, grew up with mostly. mostly. Um, Yes, yeah, so it's going to be six stories, and uh, divided into the father and the mother part, and it's going to explore also the politics of Yugoslavia, uh, the breakdown of Yugoslavia, my father's life, and, um, and the aftermath, it's going to end with my recent trip to Croatia, uh, to the peace uh, building workshop.
1: Nice. It's gonna be yeah busy uh, busy uh, yeah and I really look forward to it. I like they said that one really profoundly personal and uh, it's nice to see kind of that flushing out more so I look forward yeah. to that oh, thank you <laughs> thank you so much for chatting with me today Nina
2: oh it was an absolute pleasure.
1: Just a reminder for folks, I've been talking to, and let's see if I can get it right, Nina Bunjavak.
2: Bunjavak.
1: Bunjavak. And (laughs) her book is Heartless uh, from Conundrum. Find it in better comic stores. Thank you so much, Nina.
2: Oh, thank you.